Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week in our next segment. It's the Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. If you don't know what a rally squirrel is or how that's being uh, capitalized on, we'll tell you about that in our next segment. In segment three, Darren Thomas, Heisman Trophy candidate, quarterback of the Oregon Ducks. I had a chance to catch up with him this week. Really good kid. Uh, Funny interview. Make sure you get a chance to listen to that. That's in segment three. Then in segment four, it's Sam Amick of SportsIllustrated.com. He joins me and we will discuss the NBA lockout and all the... Just dysfunction around the relationship between the owners and the players. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can follow me on Twitter or become my Facebook friend. And you can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Well, Griggs, as we've been saying for months now, the lockout, it's in full stride now in the NBA. We've been telling you that... Regular season games will be missed. I've been telling you that I think at least half a season will be missed. I told you last week I didn't think they would get things worked out by Monday. They didn't. And now I think both sides really dig in, and I will be very surprised if we see NBA games before the first of this year. Yeah, I agree with you, and uh, it's just kind of weird this time of year. You're kind of getting ramped up for NBA ball, and it's like, it's not there. There's like this missing chunk of your daily life, checking out the NBA stuff and seeing what LeBron's doing and what our team's doing or what your team's doing, and it's kind of crazy. It's miss- I'm missing it. And it's just so unnecessary, but we'll give you some thoughts around that in our next segment. All right, Sports Business Radio headlines of the week coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. You hit me like a vision. I I, I wasn't expecting. But who am I to tell Faye where it's supposed to go with it? Don't you blink, you might miss it. We got a right to just love it or leave it. You find it and keep it. Cause it ain't every day you get the chance to say. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Brian Berger and executive producer Brian Griggs back with you for the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Headline number one, the NBA lockout. It's official. Regular season games have been canceled. They were canceled this past Monday, first two weeks of the season. A deal has not been done. And the closest that we may get to a deal is now we know that a mediator is going to sit down with the two sides on Monday and begin working with them. But, Griggs, the two sides are pretty far apart. A lot of people had said, well, they're two or three percentage points apart, but there are so many other uh, factors here that are preventing a deal. You've got the length of contract. You've got mid-level exceptions. You've got Larry Bird rights. You've got all these other things going on other than just the division of the $4 billion, the BRI, and they're already pretty far apart. And then David Stern when he canceled the regular season game, said, well, the owners were offering a 50-50 split. Now we're pulling that back. We're back at 47% because we've got to make up for the lost revenue during the lockout. So they're going backwards, not forwards. Yeah, that's exactly. When, you, when he said that, we're going, we're dropping the 50-50 back to 47. It's like, well, that's exactly what the other side doesn't want. So that's not a good sign. And man, you thought we th- were thinking how bad the NFL lockout was, and this is just like 400 times worse. It just is going downhill quick. Yeah, the NFL lockout, there was animosity, but they met regularly. Almost every day they were meeting on weekends. You felt like they were really working towards a solution with this They've met infrequently. Um, It's amazing to me that you can meet for two years, and then in the last two days before you cancel regular season games, you're meeting for 12 hours, so six hours on Sunday, six hours on Monday, and you walk out of the room and you say, we're still very, very far apart. Like, what are you doing in there? And are you so dug in in your positions that you can't have empathy for the other side? And, you know, we've tried to break down all of the different reasons for this lockout. We'll do so uh, in more detail with Sam Amick coming up in segment four. But let me tell you, you know, there's a lot of owners and players, and we'll get to the players in a moment, but it's the everyday fans that are affected by this. It's the arena workers. It's the restaurants and bars around the NBA venues. And, Griggs, this comes at a time when, in our nation, the economy's already in the tank. So now you pile on all of these unemployed people or people who are losing part-time jobs around the NBA, and it's really, really messy. And like you said, I heard you say earlier this week, um, the fans are going to spend their money somewhere else. You know, when this, the NBA games aren't here, when they're supposed to be, they're going to go somewhere else because, I mean, you, they don't just shut off sports. So money's going to go somewhere else. They're going to lose interest in the NBA, and it's just going to go down. I mean, it's going to hurt them all the way. Or I talked to some NBA season ticket holders this week, and they've said, you know what? I usually get $200 a month or $500 a month taken out of my bank account to pay for my season tickets. I'm canceling my season tickets because I need that money now. That's helping pay my mortgage. That's paying groceries for the month. People are in a different position. So for some people, they're saying, you know what? I'm taking my money back on those season tickets. And that NBA team is never going to get that money back because this person's in dire straits because of our economy, because we're all tightening our, our belts around this economy. And 
it's going to be bad news for the NBA. I mean, I tweeted out this week, if the NBA thinks that fans are going to come running back and embrace it like fans did around the NFL, they're crazy. Because the NBA is a far cry from the NFL on many, many levels. There will be some fans that are diehards that come back, but the casual fan, it is going to take years for the NBA to re-engage the casual fan. Now, as far as players go, they're digging in too, and there are some guys that are going to lose a lot of money. Joe Johnson of the Atlanta Hawks gets $1.3 million per paycheck. That's every two weeks, Griggs. So he gets $1.3 million per paycheck. Um, Amari Stoudemire gets $1.4 million a paycheck. Carmelo Anthony, 1.4. Pau Gasol, 1.4. Dirk Nowitzki, 1.5. Gilbert Arenas, 1.5. Kevin Garnett, 1.6. Tim Duncan, 1.6. Rashard Lewis, (laughs) 1.7. He's the second highest paid player in the NBA. And Kobe Bryant will miss $1.9 million a paycheck. Now, with a guy like Kobe Bryant, at least he's got $25 million in endorsements that he can fall back on a little bit. And you'd think that someone like Kobe Bryant has put some money away. But the lockout really affects the middle tier and the lower tier guys. The guys that are either, believe it or not, living paycheck to paycheck because they spend what they make. Or guys who just aren't making as much and they're never going to make this money again. They're never going to have the opportunity to... this is lost time to them, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I just, first of all, what does a check that big look like every two oh, weeks? Oh, man, I'd love to know. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of zeros. I'd but, love to know. But yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, it's just, that, I mean, that's a big chunk. You know, you and I miss a paycheck. It's maybe not that big a deal, but $1.3 million, $1.5 million every two weeks, that's going to add up very, very quickly. Yeah, it really is. And this is just a sad story. And, you know, people ask me all the time, hey, uh, what's going to happen? Well, as I said, I don't think we're going to see games before January 1st. And I won't be surprised if we lose an entire season. Listen, the owners are dug in. And the owners now, it's a totally different room of owners than the owners in 1998. Back then, you had some old school owners who had some history with the league. These guys mostly are billionaires who run other businesses. This is a toy to them. They want this toy to uh, work for them a little bit better. They want a better financial model, and they're more than happy to lose the entire season, and they don't really care about the fans or anyone else. They want a better business model. And, oh, by the way, this is the key thing. David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, has promised these owners a better economic model. He's promised especially the new owners of the Pistons, of the Warriors, Um, of some of the other teams in the league, I will get you to a better economic model, much like the NHL did several years ago. And now he's going to take these owners for the ride. They're on board. They're going to dig in like they have. And the players are going to have to come to them eventually because, as we always say, it's the billionaires versus the millionaires. Our next headline, it's the Major League Baseball playoffs and Some really good games, Griggs. Uh, The coverage on Fox and TBS, I think, has been good. I really enjoyed Terry Francona when he was on Fox with Joe Buck. But something that has been taken advantage of off the field brilliantly by the St. Louis Cardinals. So if you watch their series against the Phillies, the NLDS, you saw that a squirrel ran on the field a few times. Not only in St. Louis, but in Philadelphia. It was almost as if the squirrel followed the Cardinals on the road. Well, for game 
one, or actually game three, the first home game of the NLCS in St. Louis, 40,000 rally squirrel towels and shirts were printed by the St. Louis Cardinals for fans. You can buy these in the team shop. So it, if you remember earlier in the decade, we had the rally monkey with the Angels when they were making their run to the World Series. Now we've got the rally squirrel in St. Louis. It's brilliant because, I mean, you're just taking something that happened randomly and now you're turning it into profit. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's fun. I mean, the fan loves it. Everybody loves seeing the squirrel run out across the field. I mean, how many times have we seen that this week on ESPN and SportsCenter? It's great. And uh, and brilliant. The printing of the shirts and the towels. Awesome. Another idea. Uh, St. Louis, maybe an alternate home uniform with a squirrel on the hat. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. You never know. The squirrel and the cardinal uh, doing events together from now on. When the cardinal can't make an event, the squirrel goes and fills in. Yeah, you could do all kinds of things around the squirrel. But... uh, Kudos to St. Louis. You know, a lot of times in sports, there's missed marketing opportunities, and the Cardinals didn't miss this one, and their fans are rallying around the rally squirrel, and it's been a lot of fun in St. Louis. Our next headline, Theo Epstein. Reports are that he's going to be the new head of baseball operations of the Chicago Cubs. Five-year deal, $20 million a year. Griggs, I think it's a great move for Theo Epstein, and I think it's a brilliant move for the Cubs. It brings them instant credibility to what really has been a front office that um, hasn't had a lot of direction, not only at the major league level, but kind of in the in the farm system as well. Um, and Theo Epstein, while he's made some questionable signings, Carl Crawford, John Lackey, and others with the Red Sox, for the most part, he's been pretty on the mark. He helped the Red Sox win World Series titles in 2004 and 2007, ending a long, long drought for the Red Sox. Right now, the Cubs have a drought of 103 years. If he can go to Chicago and help the Cubs win a World Series anytime soon— this guy's going to walk on water in, in two cities, Griggs. Yeah, it's a great move for Chicago. It's gonna, I think it's only going to help them. I mean, he's, he's got the resume. He's done great things for other teams. I think he's going to bring some good players. I think he's going to kind of corral that home office and make it better. Because the Cubs, I mean, come on, they got to win. They, they're, they're one of the nation's you know, elite teams. And Wrigley Field, it's, I mean, it's going to be good, I think, for him. So good move. Well, Theo Epstein, he's 37 years old. $20 million, you're getting the keys to this franchise. Don't forget, in Boston, he didn't have final say on player decisions. Lots of other people in on those decisions. With the Cubs, they're handing him the keys and saying the buck stops with you as far as baseball operations. So that's a promotion for him. It's more money for him. You know, if you read the Boston Globe this week, some serious dysfunction around the Boston Red Sox. Terry Francona gone. There's a mess going on in Boston, and I think Theo Epstein's getting out at the right time. And by the way, $20 $20 million, did I say that doesn't hurt things? All right, our next headline, Auburn in the clear for now by the NCAA. They did a long investigation into uh, if Auburn had any wrongdoings around Cam Newton, and they find out that no, nothing illegal took place despite lots and lots of rumors and innuendos. The NCAA says Auburn is in the clear. So I guess uh, Gene Chizik and... Some of the other people that have been saying we did nothing wrong, at least for now, according to the NCAA Griggs, uh, they're in the clear. Yeah, I think that Auburn, the whole story last year with Cam Newton and the Heisman run and all the allegations, I think it was a, a rumor driven more than an actual actuality happening. Uh, so I, I kind of see why how that came out the way it did, because it just seemed like it was more you know media driven, fan driven, rumor driven 
around Cam Newton because it was such a big story last year. Well, I mean, obviously there's the story around Cam Newton's father taking bribes or cash from the highest bidder for his son. And I think where it's fallen is that as far as everyone is concerned, Cam Newton didn't know those conversations were going on. I don't know if I buy that, but this is the way the, the story has gone. Cam Newton's off in the pros now. He's having a terrific career with the Carolina Panthers. So, you know, we'll see. All right, our next headline, I don't even know if you can call it a headline. It's a, it's a note from the week. Did you see the fan that threw a hot dog at Tiger Woods? First of all, Tiger Woods ties for 30th in the Fries.com Open. Griggs, he hasn't won a tournament since 2009. We told you last week that Rolex invested in Tiger Woods. They think he's going to return to form at some point. Wow, rough week. You tie for 30th, and you have fans throwing hot dogs at you now. Yeah, uh, that's very random, but a funny story, and it was kind of a funny video, too. This guy just comes out and tosses the hot dog at him, but yeah, I mean, tying for 30th at the Fries, he's got he's to gotta move up that list. 30th is just, that's embarrassing for Tiger. Well, did you see the fan? He saw the new movie Driven, and he said he was driven to throw <laughs> this hot dog at Tiger Woods because he just wanted to do something courageous and outside of the box, and the guy was arrested, as he should be. Yeah. And, you know, that's what's scary about some of these events. We've seen Monica Seles in tennis, who was stabbed in the back. Anytime you have a close proximity to the players, crazy things can happen. So it's a good thing that Tiger Woods wasn't seriously injured or that no one targets him in that way because you'd never want that. But it just goes to show. I mean, it's like adding insult to injury. You tie for 30th at the Fries.com Open. You're ranked 50th in the world. And someone throws a hot dog at you. The influence of Hollywood at its finest. Boy, I'll tell you. All right, last note of the week. How about the Detroit Lions? On Monday Night Football this last week, for the first time in 10 years, just great, great crowd there. It's really amazing to see what the Lions are doing for the city of Detroit. And by the way, what the Tigers have been doing as well. Um, That city... Of any city in the United States, they're going through horrible, horrible times with the economy. And um, these two sports franchises have really lifted those citizens in the city of Detroit. So it's been fun to watch. In Griggs, wouldn't it be amazing right now as we speak, the Lions and the Packers are undefeated. It would be the only time in NFL history that two teams that are 10-0 and met in the regular season if the Lions and Packers are undefeated on Thanksgiving Day. Gobble, gobble. Yeah, how about that game, man? They'll get some good ratings on that one, and they will anyways, because that's a great matchup. It's going to be a phenomenal game, even if one of them has a loss or two. But yeah, Detroit's on fire. It's fun seeing a, a team that was was bad and in the dumps come back, and come back with so much fun. They're just a fun team to watch. The crowd's behind them. Uh, Monday night game was just phenomenal. You know, Coming back and winning that game is great. And I have to say, for years I've been saying, why do the Lions play on Thanksgiving Day? Let some other teams play. And it's been the Lions for 60 plus years. This year, I'm not saying that. I want to see the Lions play on Thanksgiving Day. And like we said, if it's Lions Packers undefeated, that adds a whole nother element to all of it. And that would be fun to watch. All right, coming up next Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback Darren Thomas of the Oregon Ducks. They run the high powered offense. I had a chance to slow him down this week and catch up with him. You're never going to believe his pregame ritual, so you've got to listen to that. Then in segment four, it's Sam Amick of SportsIllustrated.com will go in-depth on the NBA lockout. I'm Brian Berger, and you're listening to Sports Business Radio. 
Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We're joined by Darren Thomas, Oregon Ducks quarterback. Darren, how are you? Thanks for joining the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. So people see you do all these amazing things on the football field, and they forget you guys are, are students. What are some of the classes you're taking uh, this semester? Oh, yeah, I got classes right now in about 30 minutes. I'm a sociology major finishing up this last term, so taking a lot of social classes, taking a lot of, a lot of this. Field education classes, stand strips. <laughs> How tough is it juggling academics and also all the practice time and the games and all of the, the busy schedule you have? Well, it's very tough because, unlike us, we get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and then get out of practice at 11.15 and have class at 12. Then we go 12 to 5. Then we got to come back to football and watch film at 6. So it's an all-day thing, really on the clock, <laughs> How much film are you watching every week? I know a lot of guys like to watch a lot of film. Are you one of those guys? Oh, yeah, I watch a lot of film. We got the we got the ability to watch it on our computer, so watch the film all day long. <laughs> Everything's high-tech there. You guys are probably watching it on your, your iPad or something, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, you can get on the iPad also. <laughs> so here's the question. Which is tougher, studying for an exam for one of your classes or learning Chip Kelly's playbook? <laughs> uh, really, an exam. Maybe exam, but I mean, because I love to play football, so I love to study for the for the football game. But exam a little bit harder. <laughs> but I mean, walk us through the fans here. How big is that playbook? How many plays are you asked to remember? I know you play at such a fast pace. That's got to be a really difficult thing to orchestrate, Darren. Oh yeah, it takes some time. Like I was, it takes about one or two years for a quarterback really to get in the rhythm of the offense, and until you really get into the first team. You really don't know how fast you're going, but it takes you some time to really sit back and learn offense. I'd be very pleased with someone to come in a freshman year and just take over. <laughs> <laughs> Darren Thomas, Ducks quarterback, is joining me. You've thrown 15 touchdowns, only two picks. Are you pleased with how your season's going and the decisions that you're making? Oh, I'm pleased that we, we continue to win the game, but I want to improve my, my throwing and just keep on improving. But I just want to keep on getting W's, if you ask me. <laughs> Let's talk about Arizona State this weekend. Uh, they've had a good season thus far. Their defense is pretty solid. When you watch film of Arizona State, what do you see? Oh, they have very good defense, very sound defense. Really do, do the same thing that they always do. They just want to come out and play ball. They're a good defense that forces a lot of turnovers, so we got to do a good, great job with the ball security and things like that. But be ready to take on the competition. How much do you guys practice ball security in practice? Do you spend some time on that? 
every day, every play, you're a ball security for me. Their coach or either a player. That's one thing that we dial in every play. So it's all practice all day. We're joined by Darren Thomas, Oregon Ducks quarterback. So, LaMichael James injured last Thursday. Very scary moment, I would imagine, for everyone on the team. But uh, if he doesn't play this weekend and you're asked to carry the ball more, rush a little bit more, are you good with that? Oh, yeah, very excited for the opportunity. But, like I said, I think we got a couple of running backs that's ready for the opportunity also to get the ball in their hands. And we're not coming with Mike out here. What were the thoughts running through your mind when uh, LaMichael was down? Hopefully he get up. I just hope there was no leg injury or nothing like that that it really hold him out for the rest of the season. I know I seen it was ugly, but I know he's a warrior and I know he he'll be back as soon as he can get back on the field. Yeah, and talk about your training staff down there. I've heard him talk about them, but uh, from everyone I talked to, they're they're world class down there in Eugene. Oh yeah, that's one of the one of the greatest training staffs. We get to go in for treatment anytime we want, anytime we need help with anything. They're willing to help us. You guys, your practices are crazy. You practice at warp speed. So when you get to game time, I hear a lot of athletes talk about our practices are harder than the games. Would you say that's true with uh, the Oregon program? Oh, yeah, about our practice. Our practice is harder for the games. I can tell you just really from a mental standpoint, practice is more mentally than the game. The game come out and be easy because it'll be the same look that we've seen all week. And I think the coaches do a great job by preparing us and getting us ready to go for the look that we need. Without giving away any trade secrets, talk to me about those signs that I see on the sidelines with people's pictures on them and they're holding those up. Those have some meaning, don't they? Oh, yeah, just a tempo thing. Just trying to speed up the tempo of the game. It can help with being hurt sometime, but <laughs> it's a tempo thing. Got a few minutes left with Darren Thomas, quarterback of the Oregon Ducks. A lot of guys have rituals on game day. They have a routine they like to go through. What do you like to do on game day? Go out and win. That's my routine. I want to come out and, make it and get a W. Really don't have no really, really not superstitious about the game. I know the game is about being prepared and being ready to go. So really not a superstitious thing. But do you have a pregame meal that you like to have? Is there something that you like to do to listen to some music or anything like that before you're getting ready to the game? Uh, really all different things. But we have, a, I mean, it's a ritual out here. What, what the pregame meal that we do eat? So the whole team really eats the same pregame meal. I really oh. I can tell you when the night before a game, I eat about 15, 16 grilled cheese sandwiches. You do what? Say that again. I eat about 15 grilled cheese sandwiches. Are you kidding me? 15 or 16 grilled cheese sandwiches? Yep, I got to get my weight up for the game. <laughs> what do you think 15 or 16 grilled cheese sandwiches adds to your weight? Give me a little bit of weight. I go from about... 210 to about 213. <laughs> so that's the secret of Darren Thomas's success. 15 or 16 grilled cheese sandwiches before the game. That's funny. Hey, last question before I let you go. I remember back to when I was a college student. I learned a lot during my four years in college. And I'm wondering, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far at the University of Oregon, not only on the field, but off the field? Uh, we, I have learned a lot. I have learned to grow from a young man to a grown man. And out here in Oregon, it's a fishbowl out here. Not too really much things going around out here but football. So you got to learn to be a good player off off end on the field, not about just being a great player on the field. So that's one thing I learned. What about getting to the next level? You want to get to the next level, don't you? Oh, yeah, that's my goal, to get to the next level. Just keep on preparing. Everybody, everybody tells me to just keep working hard, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. Darren Thomas. Darren Thomas, Oregon Ducks quarterback. I know you're super busy. I know you got to get to class. 
So uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and good luck this weekend against Arizona State. All right, thank you. Thank you. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Sam Amick, who covers the NBA for Sports Illustrated, who's joined me many times on this show. We've shared lots of frustration around the NBA lockout. He joins me now. Sam, your first reaction when you heard that Commissioner Stern has canceled the first two weeks of the NBA regular season. Uh, surprised, Brian, and, and surprised not only because uh, the loss of the games, but the fact that he chose cancellation over postponement, which is what I thought would happen. I thought worst-case scenario they would talk about creative ways to save these games down the road, but obviously uh, he took a, a harder-line approach, and, uh, and it couldn't be much worse right now. I think it's so short-sighted, and show me a negotiation that's gotten done when the two sides aren't meeting. So you've basically pounded your fist on the table. You've said first two weeks of the season canceled. That's 100 games. And now there's no meeting scheduled. So how do you get this thing solved? Well, I mean, I think they'll have informal talks, you know, over the next week or so. I just don't know what's going to come of them. And, and I agree, you know, and that's going back to early in the summer, the thing is that they, they took so much time, you know, not talking, and it was owner-driven. You know, the union was ready to talk, and the owners didn't show any uh, motivation or incentive to, to try to get something done. And that's, you know, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but that's when I end up believing that, uh, you know, maybe this is exactly what they did want all along. And they knew the carnage was coming, and they knew that, you know, the type of system overhaul they wanted was, uh, was only going to come, you know, by taking this route. If you go back to a few years ago when the NHL lost an entire season, the owners in that league wanted a complete overhaul of the business model of the league. I think that's what we're looking at here with the NBA. And David Stern, as I tweeted last night, he's putting his legacy on the line in order to fulfill a promise to the owners that he's going to get them to that business model that he promised them. He is, and that's the, the you know the uh, one of the you know kind of mysterious things in this whole deal is what you're talking about is the fact that. You know, did David Stern, you know, make promises or call him whatever you will, you know, make strong intimations to these new owners that they, uh, they'd be coming into a certain type of structure? And, you know, I think if that is the case, and it certainly seems like it is right now, that cuts to the heart of, you know, one of the players' arguments throughout this entire process has been the fact that uh, they say, well, why in the heck are all these new owners buying in if it's such a bad deal? You know, it just does not matter. Why the guy, you know, with so much to lose, jump into a bad investment, you know, if that's what the owners are saying it is. But obviously, down the line, I really do think that Stern and those guys 
fully expected the system overhaul, fully expected to get what they wanted, and that's what we're seeing now. We're joined by Sam Amick of Sports Illustrated. He's their NBA insider. Let's look at the player side for a minute. It's no secret that the agents have taken a more prominent role in all of this. There's even been some talk that the agents at some point overthrow Billy Hunter. Have you heard anything about the players and their, I guess, approval or disapproval for Billy Hunter? And where do you see that going as the two sides try and make a deal? I was somewhat surprised, you know, last night just kind of poking around to see on the decertification front if that was kind of what the next step was going to be, that I wasn't hearing immediately. That's what would happen. I think that a lot of people who see the merit in it also still realize that, you know, that is essentially blowing up the entire season and, you know, the legality of Alger so complex and takes long. I don't necessarily see that happening right away. Um, in regards to Billy, though, you know, I think the Stern has, has done Billy a favor. I think he's made it easy to root for Billy again. If he's there. He does still have plenty of critics. He does still have plenty of players who I think are frustrated that, uh, you know, they're now looking at, the, you know, the, the real reality of losing checks. But I think uh, in general I've seen, you know, somewhat of a kind of galvanizing union behind Billy after just months of, of skepticism around him. So the two sides, Sam, met for approximately 12 hours over the last two days. And reports are that while they discuss BRI, the basketball-related income, the $4 billion a year that the league takes in, they also had lots of discussions around things like mid-level exception and length of contract and the, the more, I guess, the business structure of the league. And again, what I've heard is that they're pretty far apart in those areas. Here's what I don't understand. How can you have so many meetings over the last two years, including 12 hours in the last two days, and still remain that far apart? Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the whole thing, is is to take it back to what the end game was for the owners. It, you know, And again, it's simplistic, and I'm not trying to go down that road of, it's not a conspiracy theory. I think it's the fact that the owners you know, have made it clear what they want. And, you know, I just started, it's got me wondering if how much of these negotiations was, was them sure they fell in line with, you know, any potential bad faith bargaining lawsuit and, and making sure that they were playing ball and, and negotiating to a level that, uh, you know, it, it would absolve them of any guilt if the players uh, took that route. Because uh, I agree. I don't know how the heck you say it. They've negotiated, you know, far more in, in this lockout than they did in 98-99. This is not how it went back then. They did not sit across each other at the table for nearly as long back then. And like you said, you don't have progress. You know, you have, you know, basically back to square one, these guys just kind of staring at each other. So most of these players are on a uh, seasonal payment plan. So in other words, when you cancel the first two weeks of the season, they're going to miss their first paycheck. Some of the players are on a 12-month period where they're getting paid, so they've already been missing paychecks. Last lockout we saw... Around the December time frame, players started to get antsy. The union started to say, you know what, I need to get back to work. What do you see as far as the time frame here? Because the owners have dug in. They're not going to change their position. So it's going to be how soon until the players come to the owner's side of things. What do you think? Well, and I agree with you that the owners are digging in, and I don't see them moving. The scary part is that I still talk to people who are influential on the player's side who insists that they, they think you know, they're, it's, they're still calling Stern's bluff, and I don't understand how they see it that way. Um, you know, players caving, how long it takes, I don't know. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's a month and a half. The interesting thing and huge difference between now and, and 98, 99, and also 
is, you know, the, the explosion of social media and the Internet, we now are going to see this stuff happen in real time. You know what I mean? You see guys last night, I guarantee you there were plenty of tweets coming from players that the union, if they could control every guy's account, would have deleted. They, they did not hit the, the right note that they want out there. They, they kind of, I thought, reflected not panic quite yet, but, you know, serious frustration, disappointment, and all the, the types of things that the owners are assuming are going to lead to them caving. Uh, I don't know how long it takes. I don't think it, you know, would be that long. You just the majority of this league is not like LeBron James and Kevin Garnett and Dwayne Wade. You know, the, the majority of this league is guys that goes home and, and their wife's looking at them like, when are you going to get back to work? And, you know, and, and it's kind of the rank and file guys. At some point, they're going to speak up. You talk about the tweets last night. I thought it was interesting to follow some of Steve Nash's tweets, Carmelo Anthony, even Dwayne Wade. These guys were really calling out the owners. And the thing that's going to be most interesting to me is whenever this is settled, what's the relationship going to be like between the players and the owners? Will they be able to let bygones be bygones? Or is that a relationship because of the things that will be said over the next few weeks or months that will be fractured permanently? You know, I have a hard time thinking that it's, <clears throat> excuse me, that it's not going to be fractured permanently. And, I, and that is completely on the radar of you know, the people involved. And uh, one of the agents that's in that decertification group, you know, the seven guys that have been for that, told me probably two months ago, you know, it was a major concern of his. He said, you know, I don't understand how Stern and the owners don't care, seem to care, that they're poisoning the waters. You know, it's going to be so contentious between the players and the owners, you know, whenever this thing gets resolved. Um, and for people who aren't around the league all the time, I mean, that matters when it comes to and these guys are all obligated to do 10 charity events, you know, a year. All of a sudden, you know, a lot of them do 20, 25, 30. And they're going to be doing bare minimum. They're not going to be doing them with huge smiles on their faces. I do think, you know, they're not going to forget the way they think they were treated in this negotiation. Yeah, it's just, it doesn't make any business sense at all. And to me, you know, people talk about, do you blame the owners or the players? Well, two things. One, the players have been locked out. They're not striking. They're not asking for more money. They would have taken the same CBA and just renewed it. The other thing is the owners really want a dummy-proof model. They want shorter contracts. If they make a bad deal, they want to be able to get out of it right away. They're the ones who put themselves in this mess in the first place, and now they want to undo all of that and try and come up with a, a better plan. And I have no problems with how you run your business, but I think – I just want to hear an owner say, or David Stern say, you know what? It's a different day today than it was last time around. Uh, it's a tougher economy. Our owners are feeling the pinch just like you are, and we need to have some give and take with the players. If they just said that instead of such a hard line, I wouldn't be as upset as I am with them now. No, I agree, and that's the whole thing. It's just unrealistic. I, you know, It's all about need versus want, and I, I think they're fairly close to – having already been offered, you know, what they need to make this thing just more doable for the, the owners in this league. But they're going for what they want, and they're going to go for it without, you know, any concern for the casualties involved when it, in terms of, you know, games lost, revenue lost. Um, it's just unrealistic, and I, I agree with you, Brian. It's, it's in this economic backdrop, you know, what, what everybody's looking at, the idea that they thought they could go from, you know, 57% BRI, now they're claiming – that they're back to 47 percent um you know it's, it's it's just something that you could not have pulled off if you just did not care uh, only if you didn't care about this season that's what we're seeing last question to you uh where do you see things playing out from here uh, i think 
you know, it's just we'll see. But I mean, I think probably a a 65 or 60 game season. I think something gets done, and it probably comes with the players folding. I don't know what form that takes because, like I said, I keep you know, it's not like the people who think Stern is going to back down have gone quiet. I still am hearing from those people, and obviously him being the spokesman for all of the owners. Um, so I don't. I mean, I truthfully have absolutely no vision for how it takes place. Um, I just still, uh, I, maybe I can't process the idea that they're going to, you know, scratch the entire thing. I hope, uh, I hope I'm right, but uh, that's just probably what I see happening. My thought is if Stern was going to cave or go softer, he would have done so last night. The fact that he didn't and they're now losing games, I think the whole season's on the table. I really do. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, without question, it's on the table. And, you know, we just uh, we cannot be a fly on that room when it comes to the owners, and that's that's all. That's what it's about. And this divide that the players kept insisting was there. And and I got to be honest, the first time they floated that to me, I just kind of said, okay, you know, I hope you're right because you're putting all your eggs in that basket. And they really did. I mean, they felt like you know the large market owners would raise their hand at some point and say, get me off the ship. I'm not on board with this idea anymore. And they would force the season to actually go down. And uh, it hasn't happened yet. And, Kind of like I wrote today, I just, there's no reason to see it happen, uh, you know, right now. Sam, tell people how they can follow you on Twitter. Twitter, Sam underscore Amick, A-M-I-C-K. So follow me on there and uh, follow the fun. It only gets better. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to join me. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages, and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. This is Sports Business Radio. If you've been watching TBS's coverage of the Major League Baseball playoffs, you've noticed that Ernie Johnson, who's a staple for them, is missing. And you may be wondering why I tweeted out the story this week, if you follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. But Ernie Johnson and his wife, they really are saints. If you don't know the other side of Ernie Johnson, you need to read this story. They've adopted six kids. Well, they have six kids. They've adopted four of them, Griggs. Um, One of them is a special needs young man who's 23 years old. He also has muscular dystrophy. He's 
23, and his name is Michael, and he's hospitalized. And Ernie Johnson has been in the hospital with his son every single day, and he's just a great dad. People don't know that side of Ernie Johnson. I mean, we talk a lot in this business about people having their priorities straight. Ernie Johnson is a guy who has his priorities straight. We have our priorities straight, family first for us. So when I see other people who do as well, I just can't help but admire them. And I want to send my best wishes to Ernie Johnson and to his family at this time. And I really invite you, like I said, even if you just Google it, but it is on my feed on Twitter to read this terrific story that was in USA Today about Ernie Johnson, who's had such a tough year. He lost his dad, who was a longtime announcer with the Braves in August at the age of 87. And now he's going through this with his son. Ernie Johnson has battled lymphoma before he's had cancer. So he's overcome so much in his life. And I really admire him. And my heart goes out to Ernie Johnson and his family this week. So I just wanted to uh, get that in there. Hope that we see him back on the broadcast sooner. And I hope his son Michael is feeling better soon. Wanted to thank Darren Thomas and Sam Amick for joining us on the show this week. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show via podcast every week. Just click on the iTunes icon on the front page of Sports Business Radio to have our show podcast downloaded to your iTunes every week. We'd really appreciate it if you post a review of our podcast on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. For Grizzle 22 on Twitter, Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.